Support for To The Point comes from Bausch & Lomb. Beautiful and healthy looking eyes? It shouldn't be a compromise. Lumify Eye Illuminations, developed by the experts at Bausch & Lomb exclusively for the sensitive eye area. To cleanse, nourish, and brighten. Lumify Eye Illuminations, only in the eye care aisle. Ocular surface disease. It's complex, chronic, and progressive, but rife with opportunity for the enterprising optometrist. The mission of this podcast is to make this condition more understandable and accessible to those interested in specializing in it. So let's get to the point. Welcome to another episode of the To The Point podcast. We have an amazing guest today, Dr. Diana Driscoll. And she has a fascinating background. Let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Driscoll. She is a world-renowned expert in dysautonomia, POTS, chronic dry eye, vagus nerve disorders, long COVID, and Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. She is the president of Genetic Disease Investigators and the clinical director of POTS Care, the only clinic in the world dedicated to treating the underlying causes of POTS, not just the symptoms. An inventor with four patents to date, she's also the owner of TJ Nutrition, a company based on her expertise concerning the autonomic nervous system. Dr. Driscoll is a neurological dry eye expert, patenting unique treatments by addressing dry eyes as just one manifestation of systemic issues and approaching treatment through the autonomics nervous system. Her newest release is Parasim Plus Eyes. Dr. Diana Driscoll is a member of the Tear Film and Ocular Surface Society, the International Society of Neurovascular Disease, the American Headache Society, the American Optometric Association, Ophthalmic World Leaders, Long COVID Alliance, Optometric Retina Society, and served as a medical advisor for the Ehlers-Danlos National Foundation. That is quite the bio, Diana. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so no. sorry to put you through that. Yeah. <laughs> no. Thank you. It's it's an honor to be here. I really am grateful for the time too. We're, we're really happy to have you. I mean, you are truly an expert in an area that I feel like a lot of optometrists do not know about, myself included, um, you know, the peripheral the autonomic nervous system. And so... Um, we, we wanted to, to bring you on today to talk a little bit about that and how that relates to dry eye, but maybe you could give us a little intro into your background on how you began, like, you know, learning and, and gaining expertise in this area. And actually, and actually, um, Diana, before you get started, I just wanted to add one thing, which was I love when my patients teach me things. And that's kind of how I, you know, I had actually been somewhere with uh, Paul Carpecki, who was talking about you and your work. And um, you were on my radar as to, you know, somebody I wanted to connect with. And then I had a patient show up using Parasim. And I thought, I don't really know a lot about this supplement. I need to figure it out. And that's when our conversations began. So, you know, I, I tell my dry eye patients that, you know, they're, they are researching things. They have, you know, ac unlimited access now to um, patient forum groups and just, you know, with the internet, it, it, they learn a lot. So I'm not ashamed to say that sometimes my dry eye patients bring me <laughs> to people like you. And how great of you to keep an open mind to listen to your patients. <laughs> you know, that sometimes is rare. So good for you. I was kind of in that position. In fact, it, 
Jackie, it's such a long story. I'll bottom line it for you guys, but I never planned to get into research or the autonomic nervous system. That was not something on my plate at the time, but I got a virus when I was on a mission trip out of the country and um, I didn't seem to recover, not unlike the COVID patients who just don't seem to recover and things started happening. And I was diagnosed with POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. That's basically where the autonomic nervous system isn't working right. And no one could figure it out. No one could help. It was just a horrible journey. I was disabled, couldn't practice optometry. I mean, it stopped me in my tracks. I, I had to stop. I couldn't finish my last two patients that day because um, I couldn't breathe. My heart's racing. I was shaking. Um, it, it's, it feels like you've been poisoned initially. It's a very strange journey. But years and, gosh, over 50 doctors later, I, I heard from the experts that, well, we don't understand this. We just think you might be more aware of your own body. That what? <laughs> okay, we're on our own here, you know. And I thought, maybe I'm in position. My, my kids also got sick. My son was disabled. And he got uh, sick after viruses, and he was only eight years old. He missed three years of school. My daughter was able to stay in school, but she wasn't quite right. And I thought, I'm in the body of a patient. Um, I have a medical background. I'm very much a geek, and my kids are affected. Am I in position to get answers for this beast? And the first place I went, I know it's a shock, but I decided to look in the eyes. <laughs> so I thought, is there something different going on in the eyes of POTS patients versus normals? But started there, didn't end there, but went deeply into uh, the autonomic nervous system and went to the vagus nerve, which as eye doctors, we don't usually pay attention to that because it doesn't connect to the eye. But that's the anti-inflammatory nerve of the eyes, you know, now and um, dry eye is such an inflammatory component. So when I was addressing the problems with the vagus nerve in patients with autonomic dysfunction, their dry eyes went away. That, okay, that's interesting. I need to back up, make sure I know what's going on, and can I improve upon it? And worked on that to cover everything I could think of that would go wrong in the neurology in a chronic dry eye patient. And some of those symptoms you had mentioned, Leslie, display in other ways, which is interesting. We all see these patients. But that's how I ended up back in eye care, sort of, um, or giving back to the profession that gave so much to me and gave me enough uh, knowledge that I could jump from there to get answers for an extraordinarily complex condition. So... Yeah, didn't intend well, to go like, there. <laughs> you know, nothing like being a patient and especially, you know, your, yourself mm -hmm. and then your children being affected by something to really um, motivate you to find answers when there didn't sound like there were that many. So there that's weren't. quite a story. There were zero. Honestly, there were zero. It was very, very frustrating. But you're right. And, and I do think it takes kind of a certain personality. <laughs> I loved school. You know, I love reading. And, and I was just devouring journal articles all the time. And I was willing to use my body um, to speed things along. So Fortunately, I could order some of my own blood work that helped. And so I could kind of jump or leap over uh, many obstacles that would normally slow researchers down. 
So, so it yeah. started with pots, but then when did you start mm-hmm. to tie in how this was going to, you know, help your dry eye patients? Where did you have another light bulb moment? Or you kind of already were thinking about it um, because of the autonomic nervous system? Mm-hmm. It wasn't a focus at the time, but I did notice I developed extraordinarily dry eyes, as did my son. But here, you know, I had everything at my disposal. I used it all. I was I was down to lacquer certs. Remember those? <laughs> you know, the cellulose disc. I had everything. And by two o'clock or so, I could not keep my eyes open because they hurt so much. I thought, okay, what are we missing here? But it wasn't I wasn't focused on the dry eyes. I was focused on the fact my uh, gut stopped working. It completely stopped working. I couldn't even have a bowel movement for weeks and no one could figure it out. So I, I suspected the vagus nerve was a problem and I didn't know if it was damaged. I was considering all options. I didn't know if it was a a genetic issue with the neurotransmitter, but I thought, what are the options for treatment here? And I remembered in class, uh, optometry school, the professor saying there's two parts to the vagus nerve. There's the long preganglionic portion that goes down into the chest and the abdomen. And then there's the synapse and there's a tiny postganglionic nerve. And I remembered the teacher saying the postganglionic vagus nerve is so small, it's almost a part of the organ itself. I just don't know why I remembered those details. Um, it sounds almost freakish, but it was like I was just sitting in the lecture. And I remember drawing those nerves and memorizing the neurotransmitter. But I thought, okay, could I stimulate the postganglionic vagus nerve? If my preganglionic is not working, what happened was the ileocecal valve shut down. It wouldn't open that valve between the large and small intestine. And I figured it was probably neurological. And indeed it was. But I used a nicotine patch because nicotine is an agonist for the neurotransmitter acetylcholine at the vagus nerve. I thought, let me try to stimulate that postganglionic vagus nerve. Work like a charm. So I knew the receptors were okay, and I thought, that's, that's my target. I want to try to figure out some way of triggering the postganglionic vagus nerve or the receptors themselves, even if the nerve is defunct for any reason, but we can't use nicotine because that has an ugly side to it. It can be very inflammatory, release elastase, just goes on and on. So I thought, I wonder if I could do this orally. If I know the mechanism of action of some things, could I combine it in a way where I could see that bowel movement? And worked on it for a few years and got that done. (laughs) So yeah, that's really, that was a light bulb moment. But it wasn't until later I realized, oh wait, the dry eyes are gone. Well, and that's interesting. You know, we're learning a little bit more about nicotinerinic um, receptors, um, you know, especially with this launch of um, Tiervaya recently. I feel like a lot of, and even before that with True Tier and any neurostimulators that were on the market, it seemed like, you know, they were on to something along similar lines. Um, but I guess for dry eye, the basal tears are regulated through the autonomic nervous system. That's a big part of what it's doing and communication to the lacrimal glands so that you can just have basal aqueous tears. Uh, Is this, that's correct. 
Um, I think what was interesting in, in talking with you previously was just we all have the patient you know, this is why some doctors dread dry eye, right? We all have the right. patient that we haven't been able to figure out that is a constant, um, you know, they're, they weigh our clinics down because the chair time is, you know, exponentially longer than we anticipate when they're in to see us. Um, and so some of the things that you mentioned um, when I had spoken to you previously about your dry eye patients and especially, you know, getting this vagus nerve stimulated really for me, I was thinking like this could be the answer for some of my really challenging dry eye patients. And um, one thing that you mentioned was just using um, pupil size as an easy tool to see if the patient's autonomic nervous system might be not completely working properly. So, and I believe that you said if the patient had larger than normal pupil size, that might indicate, be an indicator. Well, what I've come to see chronic dry eyes as is not an eye problem. Okay. And I think I'm the only one who really thought that. I think it, the patients might agree, but I see it as just one manifestation of a systemic issue. And if when the systemic issue involves immunity or neurology and the two are interlinked, one affects the other, then the breakdown in the ability to release a neurotransmitter is more systemic. It isn't just the eyes. So you have to kind of be uh, clever, but you want to uh, ask the patient about other symptoms. Uh, do they tend to get constipated? Are they light sensitive? Are their pupils a little bit bigger? That's a big clue. It has to be really bad before that happens. Um, do they get brain foggy? Are their moods changing? Um, all symptoms basically of anticholinergic syndrome or poisoning, but turned way down. You turn it way down. And the dry eyes are a consequence oftentimes of not just the low tear production, and that interestingly is not so much a nicotinic receptor in charge of those tears, it's muscarinic. And the vagus nerve, which controls inflammation, also is affected. And then systemically, they tend to have more inflammation, including the eyes. So that combination of inflammation and low tear production, both sourced from the same issue with the change in the neurotransmitter, um, is devastating for chronic dry eye. And as you, you guys know, it just, it compounds over time. More inflammation leads to lower tear production, lower tear production leads to more inflammation and it starts cycle away. But absolutely, you can look at their pupils. Those are the bad ones and just ask them things like, so how are your bowel movements doing? You know, they never think that that's related to their eyes, right? Never. Um, or brain fogginess and, um, it isn't just the patients who are severely affected like I was. I think in all dry eye patients, the neurology should be supported. You know, there's um, uh, Dr. Annette Galore does a lot of research on neuropathic and neurotrophic keratitis. And she made this point in one of her lectures about how, you know, we always think like, oh, we can see the dry eye. We have a slit lamp. Let's just look. And there are these patients where the symptoms outweigh the signs and you're thinking more, you know, neuropathic issues. Yes. And you're kind of saying the same thing, you know, nerve mm -hmm. and, and it, you know, peripheral nervous system, autonomic nervous system, these things are all impacted with how a patient, you know, feels in terms of dry eye. What 
what can the the you know optometrist learn you know from how how should we be then managing or what success have you found in managing these patients i mean you have um you know developed you know and patented things on this can you talk a little Mm -hmm. bit about that yeah absolutely when i was working on the vagus nerve and working with patients with autonomic problems and um, that includes like the post-COVID patients, but they're oftentimes misdiagnosed chronic fatigue syndrome or fibromyalgia, or, you know, that just mess of invisible illness where the poor patients have no good diagnoses and the doctors just throw up their hands going, I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> Maybe it's just you, you're anxious, you know, th- those people. But to start with those. Um, and then the patients who are less dramatically affected though can be aware something's not right right they'll oftentimes feel like oh i'm just getting old or i'm stressed out i'm i must be really tired not always you know and we i think we want to be very proactive so although i started with parasim plus for the vagus nerve when i saw that it was hitting the muscarinic receptors also it wasn't just the nicotinic. And Leslie, how I proved that was the pupil size changed. That is purely muscarinic, right? Not nicotinic. And most basal um, tear production is muscarinic, not nicotinic. So the trigeminal is not mainly parasympathetic. It's mainly sensory. So picking apart that neurology and trying to improve upon it, I eventually came out with parasym plus eyes. So similar mechanisms, slightly different formulation to make sure those muscarinic receptors were hit. So unless your patients are on pilocarpine or anything derivative of it, or on some medication that's going to change the pupil size, make it smaller, sometimes you can see them coming. We've all seen the, the dry patients who get so light sensitive, they come in wearing their sunglasses, and we always think it's the corneal desiccation. Right. And then we look with the slit lamp and go, no, it doesn't look that bad. But like you said, uh, Jackie, the patients feel like they're dying. Oh, yeah. No, that I understand. I understand some of that can be the large pupils, too, or even the uh, vision problems or accommodation. So that's terrible. Um, We look at the cornea and go, that didn't look too bad. Okay, maybe the pupil is not responding quite right. So that's an autonomic clue. Um, so then if we were going to use a supplement like parasimize, um, the patients start taking that, how do they dose it and how long do you anticipate? I know you had mentioned that it's a pretty quick response with some of the things. Um, I've read the label. It makes it sound like if you're having constipation that soon after you even take the supplements, it might trigger improvement in the colon health. But yep. what about for the eye symptoms? What are you it's, finding? Yeah, what we are not used to looking at is eye doctors, of course, is things like bowel movements and fatigue, et cetera. But the worse the patient patient gets, the more quickly and dramatic you can see it, which is kind of great, I guess, if they're really bad. I know when I, as a patient, got to the point, not only was I brain foggy, I had no short-term memory, no executive function. I just got to zero. And then it got bad enough I couldn't even stay awake. So there's patients who are like falling asleep behind the frobter, right? We've all seen those. They'll feel the difference within like 20 minutes. 
it takes almost nothing and you start to see the sparkle come back in their eyes. They're sitting up. It may not last as long. They probably need a lot. The GI usually responds with the bowel movement an hour, hour and a half maybe. If they're starting out constipated, sometimes you have to work through some of that. Um, but that responds fairly quickly. So we recommend two or three capsules on a basically empty stomach um, to make sure it opens and gets in the system at once so it can land on those nicotinic receptors properly. The, the pupils respond usually two to three days. And the patients can see it. If you show them, have them look at their pupils and say, okay, how much real estate out of the iris is this taking? Okay, now tell me in two or three days how much real estate it's taking. And um, they notice that, which is awesome. And then when you know the pupils are smaller or their bowels are returning, it's just sit back and let it happen. So in the studies we did, we had them back at four weeks for another corneal evaluation, OSDI, et cetera. But there were a handful of people who needed six weeks. So I usually say, give it four to six weeks or so. But well, you know, you in could- the dry eye landscape, that's not a lot of time. So that's kind of encouraging. And I don't yeah. think, you know, it sounds kind of crazy when we're talking that we're talking a lot about bowel movements because that is <laughs> the complete opposite end of where I'm spending my day. <laughs> But thank goodness, right? I know, but you know, it is very interesting. They're looking at, they're doing stool samples in our Sjogren's patients. I mean, they're definitely relating colon health to what is going on in dry eye. So, as crazy as it sounds, um, it goes to your point that dry eye is not just the eye, the systemic condition. And, That's and we exactly really, right. Yep. We really got to be thinking of the patient as as a whole for sure. Yeah. And when the, the patient's going through that for their dry eyes, I think it's important to remind them, remember to look for, because if they're looking for like smaller pupils or normal bowel movements or less fatigue, more sharp cognition, and they see that, then they won't get discouraged while they're waiting those four to six weeks, right? Um So I love to point that out to them, that this isn't just for their dry eyes. They feel better when they're on it. You know, I I think sometimes patients will like ask me like, why are you asking me about rosacea? I can only imagine (laughs) if I'm like, are you also constipated? What sort of what's up ask those questions? But I'm willing to do it, Diana. (laughs) You're so brave, Jackie. I think you will be shocked at the answers. How many people Um, are constipated? Oh yeah. The other other list though, and actually not, you know, you know, this post COVID syndrome is a real thing. And, and her introduction, you know, I was glad to hear that your research is spilling into that, you know, brain fog is a big thing for those patients. Um, So I'm I'm assuming that's all, you know, interlaced with this autonomic nervous system, but, you know, maybe lean in on that before you ask about constipation, Jackie, maybe ask about (laughs) memory, mood, anxiety, depression, and then throw in constipation. I am so glad you mentioned (laughs) depression. I am so glad you mentioned that because I see publications where, oh, dry patients are depressed because they have dry eyes. No, I don't think so. That's just one aspect of that systemic condition. It's pretty much across the board too. I don't think the dryness depresses them. And that depression goes away when the systemic problem is corrected. And then would you think that that explains why I have a few patients that stress and anxiety and their depression 
definitely flares up their dry eyes. Yep. So that would kind totally. of explain the tie-in. Totally. Them. What's happening is something inflammatory is going on systemically. And when that goes up, it blocks the release of acetylcholine. And then those symptoms occur. So, yeah, so you're already seeing it. They're feeling it. And, mm-hmm. and Jackie, might also be what you want to think about in your patients. I'm sure you've seen them that can tell you the exact day that their dry eyes yes. started. That's exactly right. You know, that is not your typical dry eye patient, but I've had them. They'll be like September 13th of this year, everything changed. And I'm thinking like, what, I don't, you know, what happened then? But maybe they, you know, maybe something, they had a virus, maybe something triggered um, imbalance in their nervous system. Um, But I think just kind of thinking of those outlier patients, um, it, and also just knowing that there's a tool in the toolbox that maybe, you know, maybe doesn't have a place for all of our patients with dry eye. But when you have these patients now, at least you know that there's um, something and something that's been developed by a fellow optometrist, which is always very exciting as well. And you don't have to throw out what you're currently doing, you know, with your dry patients, but I love to see it fold in and the patients think you are Superman or Superwoman for figuring out how to help them feel better. Yeah. What they've blamed on, oh, I'm just stressed, I'm exhausted, whatever. And they come back and they feel like, well, I feel great. You know, they think you hung the moon and so they should. Right. But it feels really good to help them. Some of them are truly desperate. Some of them are early on the journey, but nipping it in the bud more um, as soon as you can is always really, really helpful. So for doctors that want to learn more about you, about um, the, you know the products you've created, how, how do they do that? Right. I put a website up, drdianadriscoll.com, just to house some of it. Paris and Plus Eyes, is it TJ Nutrition? Put that there. And then I'm at potscare.com. So I think I'm pretty Googleable these days because I started as a patient putting out videos just saying, I don't know what this is, but it's bad. <laughs> okay. And just kind of went from there. Never knew if I would cross the finish line. I never knew if I would get answers, but I was highly motivated. So it's just been such a wonderful silver lining to be able to give back to the profession and help those patients. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for you know, t- showing us and explaining your expertise on, on this topic and educating our, our colleagues about this. I do think this is something that is not as well known, you know, certainly to the op- average optometrist. So thank you so much for taking your the time today to, to uh, teach us all of your wonderful knowledge. Yeah. And now for the To The Point Wrap Up. Dry eye disease is so multifactorial that sometimes we forget to think about the patient as a whole. The autonomic nervous system is a big regulator for basal tear secretions. Patients often can present with other symptoms relating to dysregulation of their autonomic nervous system. This would include large pupil size, but also things like brain fog, anxiety, depression, and even chronic constipation. Asking your patient about this can sometimes help uncover some difficult etiologies relating to dry eye. And thankfully, with innovations from doctors like Dr. Driscoll, we now have solutions to help patients who have this abnormality with the autonomic nervous system. 